Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk of champions. Short sessions. Long story short. Welcome into a Talk of Champions exclusive. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me, Mr. Clark Brooks, college football analyst at On3. You might also know him. As SEC Stat Cat, Jimmy's and Joe's, X's and O's, all of that and more. Clark, welcome to the show, man. Zach, thank you for having me. It's going to be a pleasure. We were talking before we hit record about how busy you are, but how much we uh, we still love these times. I, too, am busy. I do appreciate just the regimented schedule every single day during the season. I know what I'm doing every day of the week. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like... We really cannot complain. You know, if we're going to be up until 2 in the morning, you might as well be watching football games. I know sometimes it might turn into Mississippi State Vanderbilt, which is never sexy, but still, again, what else would you rather be doing? <laughs> I mean, come on. I was I was watching. I was waiting. Didn't just turn it on and watch it. Like, I was waiting for it to kick off between Oregon State and, and San Jose State. You don't get that a lot. No, you don't. No, you don't. I mean, it's a very, very sticky type of product in general of course you know like, like the nfl it's a little bit more corporate college football is still yeah. a little bit more ragtag and of course like brand affinity is as high as anything in this country of course a lot of people like to wear on their sleeves sometimes literally with those uh arm tats but, but you know college football is just absolutely a passion sport i love it and i'm just very very honored to be a part of uh, our on three family because that's going to be definitely one of our uh let's say, uh, focus points moving forward is just really honing in on how much people love this freaking sport. I know. Yeah, I'm a resident sicko. You are uh, as well. And, man, I I live for being in the basement by myself at 11.57 p.m. local time watching some some Pac-12 after dark, which is the last year for it. So we got to watch is. it. It is. Hey, at least they're going to go out with a bang. They got some pretty dang good quarterbacks out there that are worth 13 watching. and 0. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that? uh, you know, like a, a few of them went for over 400 yards passing. You know, we saw some of the memes of the duck. He got so darn tired he couldn't even do any more push-ups. <laughs> like his arms were about to fall off. I know Portland State, poop state, whatever you want to say, but um, at least if this is going to be the last year of the traditional big Pac-12, of course it is, um, they could not have picked a better makeup for natural for national interests, in my opinion. Great segue there, Clark. You mentioned Oregon. They scored 81 over the weekend. Ole Miss scored 73. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna dive too much into the analytics of this one, but just overall, the what's been your impression, your take, your kind of thesis with Lane Kiffin's offense now in, in year four at Ole Miss? They've been tremendous since he arrived, but just over time with different quarterbacks and different you know, superstars, what's been your kind of theme for them and what makes them go? Well, the constant theme is applying stress. Of course, when you're playing at 100 miles per hour, which they are prone to do, it really does get defenders more on their heels. Of course, defenders, you want to be more 
of a reactionary player. But if you're just always stepping back and having that extra beat to diagnose things, well, that's advantage for offenses. And of course, when you have an eclectic run game, they are Ole Miss in the super spread type of offensive family. Of course, some people used to call this the Baylor spread. Josh Heupel is trying to rebrand it as the veer and shoot, whatever you want to call it. Um, while the downfield passing game can be a sexy aspect, it is, is, is anchored on the run game, applying different looks at different stressors at different levels to the defense. So, for instance, last year, you know, like a lot of teams, Ole Miss, their base runs were zones. Inside zone slam, straight zone, split zone, bluff read, outside zone. But then after that, you get a lot of misdirection looks that, you know, if a defense is really anticipating one look, well, they can really be uh, taken advantage of with these counters. So bash counters, so that is just a term for where the running back and the quarterback kind of switch run responsibilities in the run game. So if normally your running back is your dive player hitting the hole, following those lead blockers, and your quarterback is attacking the edge if a read defender um, is too aggressive attacking the main run, well, that is then flop. So the quarterback then follows the blockers here. So this allows people with – you have a, a, a very athletic run – Quarterback like Jackson Dart, very strong lower body to get involved and, again, apply different stressors to the defense. Because, again, it's all about attacking where they are the most vulnerable. A rising trend within the uh, football in general is just more too high defenses. You hear this all the time. More too deep safeties. They're trying to take away the home run ball. Speaking of Josh Heupel, who I mentioned earlier, you know, they only completed one explosive pass over the weekend against Virginia because they were just taking away those deep shots. So when you have that type of um, avenue underneath, it really does come in handy when you can use that quarterback as an additional stretcher in the run game. So when you can do straightforward zones and when you can do uh, gap scheme stuff and mix and match the orientations of the ball carriers to add that extra stress element, and when you're running it at 1,000 miles per hour, it is a very good recipe for creating explosives like we have seen. There was a stat that that stood out to me that I saw um, right before week one that was was pretty pretty eye popping, um, and I'm sure you're at least familiar or have heard it before. But um, Ole Miss had averaged, and I'm trying to find it here as I scroll through our homepages. We've got tons of stuff at omspirit.com recapping week one, um, but Ole Miss had averaged. 511.3 yards per game since 2020. That was second only to Ohio State. Um, I mean, just a jaw-dropping number there. And we know about Kiffin and and how he, you know, they use the term score from far. And they're all about, you know, like you said, going fast and, and stressing you out and trying to play the numbers game to, to gain an advantage. But I tell people all the time, it, it's very misconstrued nationally that, oh, it's Kiffin, like, you know, he throws it all over the yard and, you know. Very much, every, yes. They're they a run-driven offense. 100% yeah. they're a run-driven offense. Um, each, I think I had a note this offseason. Each of the last three years, they've gotten a higher volume output on the ground. And if they continue on their trajectory, they're going to have the most voluminous rushing offense from the SEC, or they're going to be the first rushing offense from the SEC to top – 200 and I think 60 or 270 yards on the average on the ground since 2018. So wow. yeah, it's absolutely 
vital to establish the run for them. Again, I mentioned the eclectic concepts they use, but again, when you have things like run pass options that can, again, when you get the, that back end to overcorrect and counterpunch, it, it's all the more deadly, but that doesn't matter. I mean, you're not going to get people to peek out of their shells unless you have a threatening run game. And of course, that is the vital aspect to this game. So yeah, you want to think of the downfield super spread aspect, sure. But yeah, it's just really hammering the run game and getting defenders out of position that way. Because if that doesn't happen, you're going to have a lot of two, three, four-yard games or incompletions, which is not a sexy offense. I feel like it's either or, and you know this this might seem you know kind of like a no brainer kind of thing, but maybe it's not. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here because you're the expert. But with the offense, they they like to attack. You know, it's predicated by the run. They've got Quinshawn Judkins, and they've got a couple other guys, Ulysses Bentley, Jam Griffin, um, that run it as well, and they keep them fresh. They rotate them, um, but you know they have a you know six or seven yard run. They get up, they get quick, they line up. Um, depending on the numbers in the box, I feel like that's when they'll take their shot or they'll try to, you know, a jump ball or something quick through Very the nice. air and then kind of flip it where they get a big pass play, big first down, you know, a 16-yard gain or something. They get down there, they get up, line up, and then they hammer you with a fresh running back. Is that kind of the idea or is it just all dictated by numbers in the box? No, I mean, absolutely. Because, uh, like, pre-snap numbers in the box like you'll see a lot of disguised coverages these days you know a lot of creepers these days where or simulated pressures where you're just really trying to get these triggers that you will see on those types of plays to kind of create like a false reality like you're not seeing the right break because a lot of this stuff is pre-snap diagnosis right so i mean georgia has really become popular with how they are basically with their two deep shell giving you those four yard completions because they're confident in their ability to rally. So like, while you might perceive there's going to be an opening, you still want to think, okay, what if we can get that guy who's playing safe out of his, you know, shell so we can then attack that area of the field. So yes, while there might be a pre-snap key says, Oh gosh, it's too deep. Vacate a box count. Let's hand it the sucker off. You also might be including tactics that, you know, if you're pulling, a, a guard or somebody that then displaces another gap on the other side of the formation, which then in some defensive philosophies would then have to make that safety be that extra player in the box, leave his back end, come downfield. And then if you have like a glance post or something, which is also a very common tactic that is, you know, somewhat seen within uh, Ole Miss's offense, it can also lead to uh, explosive. So it, it is a little bit of both in that aspect, but when you have those run pass options, it's all about, again, like I said earlier, applying stress at different levels, either conceptually or just with the numbers game based on how defenses react or what they are willing to give away before the snap with their alignment. I wasn't surprised. You probably weren't either. Most people weren't, but Lane Kiffin announces on Saturday, Jackson Dart is the starter. He was taking the reps with the ones all spring, all summer, all fall camp. He comes out, you know, maybe a little, maybe a little chip on the shoulder, maybe a little anger in his eyes, wanting to make a statement. Mm-hmm. Um, starts out eleven for eleven, and you know, finishes north of three hundred, four touchdowns. It, a lot was made all during the offseason about the jump that Matt Corral had in from year one to year two in in Lane Kiffin's offense. What from uh, small sample size, I know, but from what you saw on Saturday and kind of how you've 
seen him progress over time in the offense. What kind of year do you think Jackson Dart can have? I mean, he can absolutely have a productive year. The way the scheme is set up, the super spread, it likes to use scheme elements to try, I wouldn't say hide the quarterback, but definitely maximize them. So it's going to be a high percentage of passes of, off of RPOs. It's going to be a high percentage of passes off of true drop back play actions. Trying to have that mirage between the run and the pass. You know, like I mentioned earlier, get the defense out of, of uh, position there. But it's very important to the scheme because – when you look at his um, numbers without that stuff, so a lot of schemes are different, right, in college football. It's one of the things that makes it fantastic. But we know RPOs make things easier for quarterbacks. We know play actions make things easier for quarterbacks. But we also know things like pressures, broken plays, and maneuvering outside the pocket can also lower numbers. So when you're trying to get like a down-to-down barometer of what a passer can give you you strip all that stuff away and you just look at true dropbacks inside the pocket without pressure play actions or rpos and all that type of other stuff so the each of the last two years darts numbers have been consistent again two different schemes usc all miss but his individual figures in these instances because that's what we're trying to do right we're trying to stabilize output depending on all these different variables uh, they were below average. They were very concerning. So um, it's a good thing that Ole Miss does feature these tactics. Um, it is a very good thing that he is surrounded by a very, very dangerous supporting cast. So even though I do think he's going to have a productive year, I do think he's going to have a uh, a leap in efficiency because, of course, um, that that learning curve year, that's also for the coaching staff. You know, they got to learn the strengths and weaknesses of what they have as, the, as their own quarterback, you know. It's not a uh, cookie-cutter type of scheme. Like, what Tennessee ran for, let's say, Hinton Hooker is not going to be what they run for um, Joe Milton. Joe Milton has a little bit more verticality, a little bit more pop in that arm, uh, a little bit less, you know, um, giddy up in the ground game. So, again, each quarterback has a strength and weaknesses. It takes a little bit of time to develop that chemistry with your staff. So, I do think he's going to have an, uh, I, I, I do, let's say it this way, I think he's going to have a season to which I would think his efficiency, his his statistical profile, you know, I don't like yards. I don't like volume stats. I'm very much more in what you can do on a per opportunity basis. Uh, I do think he's going to finish in the top six of the league because of what he is going to be able, because of his supporting cast, the scheme he is going to operate. And of course his individual year over year improvement, because um, while I do have concerns about his his sharpness with his accuracy he's still a fairly good um passer that will throw downfield i don't think he's a check down charlie you know those types of guys definitely turn me off you know i just got done charting um spencer rattler who had 23 percent of his passes uh fail to crack the line of scrimmage so that's not sexy that is not darts problem he throws downfield so if he can continue to keep passes away from the defenders he had a danger zone interceptable pass rate last year, over 8%. That's just something to monitor. But again, that extra year in this scheme, if he can continue that verticality, he's absolutely going to be someone to watch and definitely somebody I would bet on to finish in the top six in the conference based on uh, his output. Oh, 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 oh.
The College Corner is headed to Oxford. Stop by their new location in the Oxford Commons off Sisk Avenue. They'll have 4,000 square feet of Rebel gear ready for your trip to the Grove. On your next trip to Oxford, stop by the College Corner or our other great locations in Ridgeland and Flowood. Hats, shirts, polos, pullovers, sweats, t-shirts. College Corner has it all. And as always, you can visit us online at collegecornerstore.com. That's collegecornerstore.com. The College Corner, where your game day apparel meets. Are you looking at cutting your health insurance premiums by as much as 20 to 30%? Are you aging into Medicare and need help finding a Medicare supplement plan? Call Drew Moak of USA Benefits Group at 601-953-8449. Drew is an Ole Miss grad located in Mississippi and licensed in seven states. He works with the nation's second largest health insurance brokerage with access to 35 different carriers, and he can help you with any of your health insurance needs. From regular health plans to life insurance to dental and vision and even Medicare, he has it all covered. Now more than ever, it is critical to have a health insurance agent who is local and accessible. So call Drew Moak at 601 953-8449 and get your free quote today. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage, but intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Dow Loggins needed to uh, open things up a bit on... uh... In that one, I, you're not going to have an issue with Kiffin opening things up, I don't think. As many passes behind the line of scrimmage that travel beyond 10 yards downfield. When you have Gosh. Spencer Rattler, a guy who has a similar concern, you know, keeping the ball away from defenders but has undeniable vertical arm talent, mm-hmm. you still want to roll your dice a little bit more, especially if it's week one and a non-conference opponent, let that puppy rip. We want to see that Tennessee game. That Tennessee game remains yeah. to be an out You take that game away last year, dead last in the conference in offensive success rate South Carolina was. So um, they finished about average in the middle of the pack if that game is included. So that is, again, one game can really alter perceptions of things. But, um, yeah, it's just not a – it's not a great look after week one. That offensive line, they had negative rush yards before contact. Again, that is not going to be an Ole Miss issue. I think they're going to have plenty of good cushion tacking inside and out when they start actually playing good defenses. But, um, yeah, uh, that's neither here nor there. But South Carolina, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a uh, a smooth transition with their Loggins calling plays, even though they're basically calling a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, got, got to get that offensive line fixed first because – Mm-hmm. regardless of what you're calling uh he didn't have a lot of time to do much of anything um all right so well, yeah <laughs> speaking of uh offensive lines uh Ole Miss brought back four starters they have a ton of experience there and they brought in a couple uh 
power five and, and some impressive G five transfers um, success rate, not been really an issue for Ole Miss the last couple of years. It helps when you got a guy like Quinshawn Judkins running the football, but in terms of that specific statistic, if the success rate for Ole Miss is north of 50%, how do you see not only this weekend against Tulane on the road, but if they can keep it above 50 for most of the year, just how good can this offense be with some of the added weapons? I'll cut you to Frank. If they can keep it over 50%, that's a 10-win team. Okay. Um, it's very hard to do what you're asking, I should say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Only three or four offenses over the last five years have accomplished that within the conference. Of course, um, they're usually Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky actually snuck in there last time Lane Cohen was calling plays wow. for them. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's a very select group. But I do think if, if Ole Miss is capable, or if they are able to capture that statistic, yeah, I think it's going to be sunny days in Oxford because – um, while, uh, the best defense might be an all an excellent offense, um, consistency matters a lot. So, you know, it's one thing if you can hit out of one out of three plays and the other two are just complete duds, but if, you know, two out of four of your plays gain 12 yards and the other two gain two, that's still very nice. You're still keeping the defense on the heels. You're still putting yourself in advantageous opportunities to eventually score points because that's the name of the game, Zach. Uh, uh, I mean, last time I checked, yeah. it, you know, yards are cool, but points are uh, very, very sexy. So, you know, the la over the last five years, nothing has been more correlated to victory within the SEC than winning the explosive play battle for that very reason. Not winning the turnover battle, not winning the middle late, not rushing for more than your opponent. It's winning the explosive play battle because you're giving yourself more scoring opportunities. So, yeah. So, success rate. So, it if they can keep it over 50%, they're going to be very, very strong. Um, if they can maintain this balance moving forward, of, of course, if you're not so dictated being one-dimensional, it's like, oh, we are – always going to run or we're always going to pass with our strict rigid type of operation but if you can have some fluidity hey it's a run pass depending on what they give us it might be a run it might be a pass you know whatever early downs we're going to keep our options open you know we're not gonna uh <laughs> we're not gonna be so black and white about it but then again mm -hmm. if we recognize oh gosh that safety really is king when we pull our guard or they're really king on this action well that's the time we can do like a Yankee shot with that's basically the deep cross over top post play or even something where it's like a backside post on a cross or doing a peak post on sale. It's all this type of stuff you've had experience with under Lane Kiffing. Again, the versatile, the versatility based on what the run game presents itself is all the more um, a weapon in his arsenal for finding consistency. Because again, it's not like Vanderbilt where like you you don't really know what your identity is at this point. Lane is an established coach. He, he has basically ironed out a lot of the kinks within his scheme. He knows a lot of different wrinkles he can present people. I know this is an audio interview, but if we were over video, I would help try and explain how um, their cross and sail techniques, which again, basic air raid patterns. They've been around for a long, long, long time. These flood patterns, weak side and uh, strong side floods, but with how their techniques present to look like one another, they all they, they very well come open more often than not. And of course, 
happened to mention that because this past weekend was an instance where both of those types of concepts came in the script and were absolutely productive. So sale, that's more the that outbreaker type of play and cross. Those are the ones where you're seeing those middle receivers work over the middle and someone trail behind. Trey Harris, one of his yak repletion or yak touchdowns, I should say, came on a trailing curl behind that. So it's a flood. You're trying to overload parts of the coverage, whether it be over the middle or towards the boundary outside of the numbers where there's usually only two defenders and you're trying to stress them with three routes. So um, it's all about the marriage of a lot of the concepts. It's healthy, complementary football. I know this is a very long-winded answer. I'm very uh, aware of just how I can go off the rails with, with talking. I just love this <laughs> stuff so much. But um, it's also just trying to help the average fan try and understand a little bit more. Because, like, it, it's a very fast-paced game, especially when it's Ole Miss. It can be – very, uh, I think, helpful slowing it down at times and kind of understanding what all is going on, what all is the objective, what all are they trying to accomplish with these designs, with the weapons that they have, with the skill sets of their rusher, with their quarterbacks, with their offensive line. Because, um, it, I mean, it is a, it's the most team game there is out there. There's so many variables, so many things that go into winning a football game. And so I just trying to provide a little bit of a you know spotlight to these marginal things that are uh, sadly not found in the box score. We talked a lot in the off season about the potential emergence of the tight end position last year. Mm-hmm. Almost had to get really creative with how they you know attacked with a quote tight end. They put Jonathan Mingo in kind of an H back role at times. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really have any explosive tight end, you know, options there. They were more, you know, blocking specialists and they would Very much, maybe yeah. make a, you know, a quick pop catch here or there. Um, mm-hmm. Now this year, right now, Caden Priestcorn, the coveted transfer from Memphis, who has a, a lot of NFL scouts love what they see there. He's, he's dealing with a foot injury, so he's not suiting up just yet. Mm-hmm. But on Saturday, they had Kyron Heath. Michael Trigg um, and Javante Connor were were playing tight end. And um, we always revert back to 2020 when they had Kenny Yaboa in the yes. first year of Kiffin and, and just how dynamic he was. Led the SEC in yards per target that year, if my memory serves. So, yes, yeah, he's he, very helpful. Very, very good. Um, how important is that position to this offense and kind of taking it to that next level? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you mentioned, like they're going to be primary blockers, like the eclectic run game uh, requires. But again, when you drop your attention off of these guys and they're an athlete that can just house something if someone's not paying attention, if they have an alley, absolutely it's valuable. So, yeah, Cade Preen scored. He was absolutely one of our most coveted uh, transfers this past season. Absolutely finished in the top. 50, if I recall, if not the top 100, but yeah, I'm really anxious to see what he can provide. But as speaking trig, you know, he was a little bit of a power slot himself at USC. I think he has that capability to be that kind of hybrid that Mingo ultimately was last year with again, providing versatility with those spread sets, whether you are having either attached with the formation or detached in space and trying to provide a little bit more brawn out there. If you want to run, perimeter screens or what have you but yes if you can have someone like trey harris you can have someone like jordan Watkins, you have someone like uh jalen knox who perhaps might provide an impact he was pretty impactful at missouri 
way back mm-hmm. when. But again, it's all about just trying to overload the defense. There's only two help defenders at best most of the time. So if you have guys like that on the outside and then someone who can just whip a linebacker or a safety one-on-one down the seam or, you know, finding a leverage opportunity, breaking towards the outside, someone like Prescorn, Trigg, or Heath, you know, Heath was a, a surprise start for him. Uh, for me, of course, you know, I uh, was not expecting to see such a productive day from him, but, you know, seeing him getting involved, you know, if that can maintain itself, if it becomes into just a one-person role, we have seen the potential, like we've mentioned, Kenny Ebois, one of the best first-down touchdown rates per target that year, one of the best yards per target that year. So on a per-catch and a per-yardage productive basis, he was just absolutely efficient that year. So this scheme has it in itself to find those types of completions, using them in ways besides just pop passes. Again, you can do stuff like sale, double post and wheels, which is a very sexy tactic in my opinion, and it's growing within the SEC. So that is a lot of stuff that you can utilize more downfield as opposed to just doing more rinky-dinky RPOs, which, of course, I'm not saying don't do, but, of course, in my opinion, I think uh, a wheel or a vertical or you know a downfield post to a tight end is a little bit more appealing than throwing a slide route or a bubble screen. This podcast is brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over to see Cody Allen and the crew to take on the challenge of their wide, plush Zoiza fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They have two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up the short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranch.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. This podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals who can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension, and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies as well. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite-level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn about this and more at bluffcityadvisory.com. Closing up shop here with Clark Brooks, that's SEC Stat Cat on three college football analyst. Let's turn the page here to week two and Ole Miss traveling to Yulman Stadium in New Orleans. I believe that is uptown, if my uh, memory serves, geography wise. Um, Tulane had a bit of a bit of a spunky one on their hands with with South Alabama, but they win by twenty. Um, not nearly as many weapons as they had a year ago when they won 11 games and were a ton of fun. Michael Pratt's back though. He was, he, I don't know if you saw it. He was limping quite a bit at the end of that game. He was pretty banged up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, after charting everything from week one and, and kind of looking at the numbers, what do you see uh, this game looking like on Saturday at two thirty? So, yeah, I mean, we have yet to see someone kind of emerge as that Tajay Spears replacement. You know, a lot of people are very high on him. He's now with the Tennessee Titans. He got drafted. Uh, he was a star running back. But heading into the season, I still felt that Mr. Pratt was going to be the top group of five quarterback. Um, I felt that he can provide a very nice mid-range oriented attack now. I should say that Tulane's passing offense, it's very, um, let's just say, 
prudent. It doesn't press a whole lot downfield. It takes what's there, so you're going to expect a lot of short stuff. But again, when the defense starts to peak short, he has the capabilities to throw over top of people's heads. Now, South Alabama, they lost Yam Banks, who, in my opinion, was probably their best defender had, uh, entering this season early in that game. And last time I checked, uh, Michael Pratt was the highest-graded PFF quarterback over the weekend. So um, that definitely had a effect yeah, he had a great in, game. His, in his output. But in terms of what to expect against Ole Miss, I think it's going to be a little bit more closer to the line of scrimmage. I think it's going to be a little bit more methodical. I think it's going to be try keep Ole Miss's offense off the field and, you know, have a lot of double-digit drives. It's not quite air raid, but it's in the same ballpark. So he's definitely a vocal point in the offense, both running and passing. So last year, um, quarterback draws were actually a fairly – a visible aspect of their offense, especially against their hardest opponent. So again, that is with Tajay Spears, a, a dynamic running back in his own right in the fold. They were still trying to get him opportunities to take advantage of, you know, soft coverages with easy, just give me those five yards with those draw plays. So if you can um, get him off the field quickly, I think it's going to be a nice, easy victory for Ole Miss. But again, if he can sustain drives and get Ole Miss's offense out of rhythm, if they're going to be on the sideline for 20, 30 minutes at a time, kind of cool down, it might be tough to keep the rev the engines revving hot. So he's definitely not someone to overlook, even though the rest of the um, uh, the rest of the team might not be, you know, up to Ole Miss's level. He himself is capable for keeping them in the game and potentially pulling off an upset. But I still think Ole Miss wins comfortably, but it's I am just want to stress to you all that Michael Pratt is no joke. It wasn't a week one mirage. He is a legit NFL prospect type of quarterback, in my opinion. Last thing here, I want to get your take because I, I feel like I have a, a handle on it. Um, but I, I want to ask you, the expert, a lot of groveling after Ole Miss – Grab Spencer Sanders from the portal. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people were kind of, you know, dumbfounded a little where, you know, hey, why are you getting this guy when you've already got a starter? Um, now, I, I'll combat that with they lost Luke Altmyer to Illinois, and then all they had were two walk-on quarterbacks on the roster, so they needed somebody to come in to have some experience. You know, God forbid an injury were to happen, but I, I feel like as the season gets going and gets down the home stretch into the thick of things, I feel like he's going to have some packages because he's a big guy. He can run, but he's no slouch throwing the ball either. But um, how do you see him fitting into this offense with Dart solidifying that starting role and, and him being the backup? Yeah, I'll be honest. I was puzzled. Uh, I wasn't necessarily puzzled that Ole Miss went out and got some quarterback depth. That's not what that's not an issue, but it's just the type of quarterback that Spencer Sanders is right. Cause he's a senior. He didn't start week one and he hung around all summer. So it's kind of questions to man, why'd you stay? So um, you have to think that they have something planned for him because otherwise, I mean, why waste your last year in college riding the pine? So um, I don't think it's a bad idea, especially in the sec with, a run-oriented – not really a run-oriented quarterback, but a quarterback that could run like Jackson Jart, of course. He, once he was a little banged up last year, he was not as effective in either facet. So just having a little bit of insurance, I think, is very uh, very nice to have in your back pocket if you're laying Kiffin. But in terms of specific packages, well, you're looking at the offense. What would that look like? Uh, I don't think you would do anything different, honestly, uh, than what the normal operation would be. Sure, you might – 
run some types of run concepts a little bit more, but it wouldn't be outside of the ordinary that was already on the script or not. So I just think that his value is going to come for having that uh, that veteran starter who's seen a lot. He has a lot of uh, yards and starts under his belt to potentially turn to if your QB1 has an unfortunate mishap or just has a really, really bad half. You have someone else that could potentially light a spark that's dependable. You know, Walker Howard, nothing against him, but it would be a little bit of an irresponsible coach move to just throwing him into the fire at this point in time. In my opinion, you know, he is a, he was a former four-star, but he's not the burliest of quarterback himself. Of course, he goes down, then where else do you turn? So I think keeping him QB3 or at least having somebody else between him and the quarterback one was a very good idea from the staff. But it's just Spencer Sanders in terms of like skill set. Well, he's not more of an athlete than Dart. He's not a better thrower than Dart. So I don't know what types of extra packages are there. But in terms of just providing that insurance, you have that, especially in the uh, meat of the schedule, which is going to happen in about a month or so. You know, Clark, this could be setting up, you know, maybe in the future. I don't know if it'll happen this year because he's so young, but they do have a lefty in the quarterback room now in Austin Simmons. Mm -hmm. Maybe it could go back to, uh, you know, maybe a little 2013. It is a, maybe a, you know, 10 year anniversary there for uh, Louisiana Monroe's fun row offense when they would have two <laughs> quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Yeah. And they had a righty and a lefty and you, you could run, you could throw to either direction. Maybe that's a, uh, something that Kiffin's looking at for the future. I wouldn't with, uh... rule it out. I mean, yeah, I mean, this offense, <laughs> for, for for its staples, it's always good for at least one out of three games, one of those types of fun plays, whether it is, you know, a, a fly sweep or uh, a fake reverse or, you know, something like that with two quarterbacks on the field. Like, I, who's doing that right now? I think Montana State is presently doing the two quarterback shenanigans. So, yeah, I, I, I would that. not rule that out, absolutely. I mean, um Kevin's look I think his personality is about having fun it's not this is not a job this is you know we're we're, we're, at, is, we're playing a game let's have some fun and it's certainly fun when you can do stuff like that and I, I think I would not definitely rule that out in, in a year or so if that is uh if he stays on the roster because in this transfer portal era I don't want to get too uh you know rock solid for what people are going to where they're going to be in a year or two but in theory I love it <laughs> That is Clark Brooks. He's SEC Stat Cat. You can also find him on Twitter for all of his statistical shenanigans um, at <laughs> SEC underscore Stat Cat. Tell, uh, tell the folks about the website and how they can find it and all that good stuff before you get out of here. Yeah, SECStatCat.com. Uh, this will be the fifth year I chart every single offensive snap on a weekly basis across the conference. So you can track certain trends like motion usage, personnel usage. You can see everyone's past charts where they're actually directing the ball and advanced statistics like we mentioned earlier, like advanced net passing yards per attempt, first down touchdown route, yards per target. You can filter to exclude uncatchable targets or if you wanted to look at him targeting outside the numbers or you wanted to look at uh, – a running back running a specific rushing concept, you have the capabilities to do so. And of course, you can also see advanced uh, statistics on the team level as well. So that is secstatcat.com. Of course, visit our on three family. You know, I'm also in charge of ranking people on a weekly basis for our on three impact ranking. So that includes uh, the top 50 most impactful players at quarterback, running back, 
wide receiver, tight end, tackle, interior, edge, interior, defensive tackle, linebacker, corner, and safety. So that's 550 players on a weekly basis. Then again, our top 300. We want to keep you guys informed for who's actually making the most impactful uh uh, I, I guess you say who's having the most impact on their game on a weekly basis. So be sure to check all that stuff out. Uh, SEC.com, on3.com, the on3 family. And again, the Twiddle handle, which I guess is where I'm the most busy when I'm not charting because it is a t- kind of time consuming, Zach. I know I mentioned earlier, I'm up till two in the morning most <laughs> days doing this stuff. That is at SEC underscore StatCat, where I like to share a lot of these advanced findings uh, when they come in and when I have them posted. That is Clark Brooks. This has been a Talk of Champions exclusive. Clark, this has been informative. I feel like I know a lot more already. So we'll uh, we'll do this again uh, this fall for sure. For those of you who did not fall asleep during my lecture, kudos. I hope we can do it again. <laughs> I hope it was informative. I hope you guys had a great time. Uh, let me ramble. You know, it's not the best thing. I know over audio medium trying me to describe some of these concepts and ideas, but hopefully some of this stuff stuck. And hopefully it piqued your curiosity in this early, early part of the football season here. Yeah. And like Clark said, you can, if the, the audio medium didn't work for you, you can look at the visual part of it on his Twitter. He puts charts up graphics, all of that and more. And also at secstatcat.com, He's got it all there. Uh, You can sign up via email to uh, get all of that as well. So, For Clark over there, I'm Zach. This has been a Talk of Champions exclusive. We appreciate his time, and we'll have him back later on in the fall when SEC play gets going. So with that, make sure to check out omspirit.com. We've got tons of stuff from week one and looking ahead to Tulane in week two. And as always, make sure you subscribe to the Talk of Champions podcast network and to the YouTube page on YouTube at omspirit. So until next time, we out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it Every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba.